I'm here with my my wife, oh, John Thrasher. It's my me. Wife. I love being your wife. It's so well, fun. Sweetie. Can I say? Yes. Sorry, did, you were about to say something. I don't. Remember. No, I was going to say, sweetie, oh. I love you, but Aww. I'm glad you interrupted that. You know? <laughs> that one nice compliment. Exactly. Um, speaking of wives, not that she's your wife, but a picture that you posted recently of you and your girlfriend Nadine in all leather. Yes. Was yes. just so beautiful. You guys looked stunning. You were on some step and repeat for a book, I think. Yeah, that uh, that was the Housewives book that came out uh, under Andy Cohen Books. So nice. I was at the party last night. We can get into that at NMR. Sure, yeah, um, but for you those who great. have it. But thank you so much. We were leather daddies. A lot of people wrote leather that, so, daddies. You know, yes, it is what it is. But uh, how are you? How you doing? How's your How's your spooky October? Going? I know. I was just. I'm glad you kind of said that because. Have the trees started changing up there in New York yet? Because yeah, they have. Okay, because here in Maryland, like some of them have changed, but like I live right, like when I look out the door, it's nothing but woods, and like I can look across the the way, and there's a gigantic mountain, and it's mainly green still here. Like we're, I'm seeing a lot of green trees, and the leaves same haven't with, changed. Same with my parents. They were saying like back in, you know, obviously there's less trees. I haven't been up to Central Park in a while, but mm-hmm. I do think it was a little delayed. I think just like yeah. maybe the random temperatures and stuff like that have kind of must be, yeah. But it's it's start, finally started to get a little fall up in New York, which is great. Um, so that's fun. And By the way, it's Hall- 75 Halloween degrees is, here. I know so, it's 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 that it's 75 degrees here right now, and. <laughs> But it's starting to get cooler. Let's hope um, so. The nights are definitely a little more chillier. I like that, though. Well, I will say. you can totally feel Halloween is in the air. Yeah. And actually, a reminder, because <gasps> this Wednesday, people, October 27th, we're going to be doing the Spooky Halloween live stream. Oh, yeah. Just, just for Patreon fans. So make sure you're subscribed to the Disturbed, Truly Disturbed, or Super Fan Tears to get the invite. I think you guys are going to want to join Patreon if you're not already to join this because mm-hmm. my outfit's 100% going to be worth it. Do you already have it picked out? Yeah. Oh, you do? Okay, I will say this. Last, I think last week or a recent week, we I said maybe we should be each other. I think I've moved on from that because it's hard to dress as you and just... I'm just you saying, can't wear like, leather pants? I can't yeah. wear leather pants. Yes, I can, but number one, no one wants to see me in leather pants. Number two... If we're just on Zoom, you know, unless I'm like showing everyone my butt, like ow, you're, ow. Not, you're not going to see that. So I, I've landed on, I'll just say this, as the mom of the show. You're like, Pikachu, Pikachu or Mel C. <laughs> oh my God, don't even get me started. I would do that. She's um, already off Dancing with the Stars and I'm so excited. I know. I know. Are you going to interview her? her? I, I mean, like I want to, mm. but like. I don't know. You, you need know, to make that happen for me. I know. She's quite else. the woman. I know. Yeah, she I'm is. Trying. Well, to to wrap that up, I was just saying I've decided that I do want to narrow my costume down to a famous mom. That's all I want to say right now. I have some options in mind, but I'm going to potentially be a famous mom. Yeah, a recognizable mom, maybe. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. But okay, let's well, surprise each other on on the show. We can surprise each other, but come join Patreon if you haven't already to at least guess what the fuck John's talking about. <laughs> I mean, that's worth it alone. Even if that's I came true. in nothing, I think that would be worth it. Yeah, but it's going to be games and prizes. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, one quick little note before we start today's show, I wanted to mention that I was recently on an episode of the Millennial Podcast. Oh with, yes. Yeah, with some of my old friends, Andrew. Sin, 
Sims, Lara, Pamela, they're really great people. Um, Millennial Podcast is a really cool one. They kind of just talk about all things millennial related, like hot topics in the news, things that we go through as millennials. I'm a, I'm kind of like right dead set in the middle uh, in terms of millennial uh, timing, yeah. but I was gonna say we're yeah. we're, we're well into that group. Yeah, we're not I on feel the cusp. no, yeah, not on the cusp. But we talked about you know, frankly, a lot of my background in true crime. We talked about why people like true crime. Ooh. It was a really interesting conversation. We talked about the pandemic and how to get people vaccinated and the controversy surrounding the Dave Chappelle special on Netflix and trans rights, and it kind of goes everywhere. And it was a really fun conversation. They're old friends of mine from literally years and years ago, and. And it was fun to finally be on their show. So if you're looking for a new podcast that is kind of different than true crime, but still fun, you should definitely check it out. There's a link in our show notes right now, but you can also just find them. It's millennial. I, th- I think they have hashtag millennial is like the, the artwork, but the show is just called millennial. I can't wait to listen. That sounds super interesting. And yeah, yeah. everyone uh, scroll on over to do that after you're listening to this episode. And Laura, John, one of the co-hosts, yeah. sorry to interrupt. She Laura was on of, Yeah, on she did Martini. Wait, what did she do? She did, she did um, Martinis and Murder? Did I she can't remember. Currently? It might have been currently way back in the day. Yeah. Wow. But I forgot to mention that, but she is such a huge true crime fan, so we have to have her on our show sometime soon, too. But I, I do remember we did love t- do to a podcast her with her. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm really excited, <laughs> okay. I just get excited. You're Go so ahead. excited. Before we get yeah. too far ahead, I want to set you up and congratulate you because, mm. Darren, you've got a new podcast that everyone should go and download beow, right beow, now. Beow, beow. Thank you so much. Yes, my new podcast, Betrayal with Darren Karp. Uh, It says it right there in the podcast who the host is, but every week I have a (laughs) co-host, which I'm so excited about. You're going to recognize a lot of these co-hosts, specifically... Uh, one Miss Miss Mom uh, in Miss this group Mama. was a co-host, but not only is she a co-host, ladies and gentlemen, she's the producer of Betrayal <laughs> right. with Darren Carp. So it really is a labor of love with John and I. And don't worry, like shaken and disturbed is still staying. This is with yeah. Investigation Discovery, and I'm so excited. I think this will be right up your alley. It was just. Honestly, every single week covers a different type of betrayal. So it doesn't always end in murder. It doesn't always end in something gruesome and bloody, but psychologically terrorizing. Mm -hmm. And we know that you guys are going to love it. It's the perfect thing to kind of start uh, your, your Halloween, finish your Halloween month up with. Yeah. But I'm really excited about it. It's 10 episodes every single Monday. And uh, I really hope you guys enjoy it. It was so fun to work on this with you. And I mentioned this on Thursday um, in our NMR episode that released. But basically, to clear it up, just to be clear for people, we're still doing Shaken and Disturbed. Nothing is changing here. Um, We just did this in addition to. um, And I started my new position at this production company back in the beginning of the year. And um, it just so happened that one of my projects was this podcast that just so happened to be hosted by Darren. So... Basically, what I said on Thursday, Darren, is you're going to have a new episode of Shaken and Disturbed on Sunday. You've got a new episode of Darren with Betrayal on Monday, one of which I'm in. Uh, and then you have NMR episodes every other Thursday. As if you or... guys couldn't get enough of me. It's like I'm the apple pie Baileys we've been searching for this entire time. <laughs> right? Like, That's we a good wish. way to put it. We yeah, wish. you wish. Right. You wish. Right. And if you are a Patreon member... Um, at the disturbed level or above, you're going to get a new uh, 
uh, NMR episode every week because we're releasing them every other week on Patreon and our main ep- our main series. So anyway, it's exciting. There's lots of true crime where you're also seeing Darren on television. You're seeing mom's name on television. What more can we provide? You know what, what more, I mean? What more do you people fucking want from us? You know what yeah. I mean? Come yeah, on now. I mean? Well, congratu- congratulations, Darren. I am ex- so excited for fans of our show to listen to that show. And you guys can check out the link. The trailer's out now with new episodes coming starting tomorrow. So Starting tomorrow. Exciting. The betrayaler is up already. <laughs> I... I can't stop using that term. I'm sorry so for the people good. who are getting it doubled up on the NMR episode, but uh, the yeah. betrayaler is out now, so definitely uh, download and subscribe. I can't wait to hear what you all think. And, okay, John, before we get into the case, you oh know what God. I'm going to ask you? What's oh happening? God. Are we having apple pie, bourbon? What the fuck's going on? Or whatever I don't the hell know. it is. I don't know. You know what's so funny is we keep talking about this update. What did we call this last week? Apple pie gate? Gate, or some- yeah. Yeah, something like that. Um. I've been looking. I went to two more liquor stores this week when I had the time because I was nearby picking up food or something. None of them had it. And I want to say thank you to everyone. Like, why are we Why are we alive right now? I don't even going to do this for us. This it's is just, really, this is violence. It's really frustrating because, frankly, we record the show at the end of the day sometimes, and it would be nice to have a nice little apple pie Bailey's to cap nice off to my night. Drink your dessert. Am I yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Hell yeah. Why but I want to say thank you to everyone who sent me photos. I know of all the places that sell apple pie Bailey's, but I don't have access to them right now. But please, and I really appreciate it. But you do not have to send me anything <laughs> so many of our listeners have been like i can send it to you and i'm like no thank you i really appreciate the thought but i would rather you can not send worry. it to me so i can send well, it and then describe it yeah. to john and have him suffer in shame if you want I'm well just i'm kidding. sure Don't send you, anything. i'm sure in new york you have access to it instantly i'm sure there's one on your block right now but here yeah i'm sure i'm like sitting Maryland. on like a case of it yeah that's probably true too <laughs> you know what, what i mean so i'm just drinking regular coffee tonight um but i'm being kind of lame but i'm telling you even if even if um i can't find the apple pie baileys by next week i do want some nif- different kind of baileys because this is getting out of control this is getting a little crazy it's getting yeah, crazy this is getting a little crazy what um, are you drinking I am having water because I went out last night, as you could see from my Leather Daddy's uh-huh. photo. Leather Daddy went out. It's just hard to drink multiple nights in a row in my oh age. My God, and I have yeah. like a work thing tonight, so I'm trying to be good. But hopefully that will keep me in the <laughs> spooktacular mood that I am in to talk about I this love case. it. This I is love like an, it. We kind of had fun last week at our case. I think it was because it was from like was the so 1800s. Yeah. But this, it was ridiculous. But this one... <laughs> Um, also takes place like in the early days. So let's hopefully there's going to be yeah. some like cool, weird way to say things that we don't know. There's no one size fits all solution when it comes to hair care. A product that works wonders for curls might make straight hair limp and greasy. I have this problem where no matter what kind of shampoo that I use, my hair is always so, so dry after I wash it. But not anymore, because thanks to my personalized pros routine, I can honestly say I've never been more in love with my hair, and I'm not exaggerating. Pros is so unique because you sign on and you answer a few questions about your hair and basically your hair goals, and they create a customized formula specific to just your hair. Now, I did this. I went on, I signed up, I did all the questions and answers and whatever else you needed to add, and um, they sent me a specific formula of shampoo, and it doesn't dry my hair out. 
it's incredible. It's like the first shampoo in the history of shampoo to not do that. So I absolutely love pros and I highly, highly recommend you guys check this out if you have hair struggles or just want to check it out anyway. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it, and that is literally true because not only do you get the customized formula, but the bottle of shampoo has your name on it. It's so amazing. I love them to death. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. You can go to pros.com slash shaken. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shaken for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. Well, one afternoon in late January 1911, a telephone call was placed to the police department in West Crowley, L.A. by some, sorry, Louisiana, not L.A. Um, I meant Louisiana, but I said L.A. (laughs) thinking that it's like those are two cities. Louisiana. You're just such a Louis, you're such a bi-coastal. So I'm drinking water. Yeah, yeah. So bi-coastal. Yeah. So so a telephone call was placed to the police department in West Crowley, Louisiana by some concerned citizens worried that one of their neighbors might be in trouble. And when police arrived at 605 Western Ave, they found three residents, Walter Byers and his wife and young son, murdered in their beds. You know what I think of really quickly? Will Byers from Stranger Things. Oh, I wouldn't even put two and two together, but that's... Listen. Yeah. You know me. I don't... That was his last name. (laughs) Yeah, you know me. I I don't watch a ton of television, but when I do... I it's make nothing that I watch. Right. It's, it's nothing, nothing that you watch. That watch. You've never right. watched Stranger Things? I thought you did. No, I've watched it. I've yeah, watched okay. it. I'm just, you know, I've seen it. Um, In general, though, we are very polar opposite. That's true. True. But uh, <laughs> Golden Girls combined. Well, that's true. All three of these people had their skulls fractured. Each oh. bed was covered with blood and a series of bloody footprints were tracked throughout the home. Police noticed that all the doors to the home were locked, indicating the killer had entered through a window as the family slept. Okay, nothing out of the crazy ordinary here. Remember, it's 1911, so, like, we're not sure how well the evidence is going to, you know, with shoe prints and everything. Yeah, true. I don't know how many different shoes they had back then. But right. in a corner in a corner of one room, investigators found a bucket of blood. An axe lay at the head of the bed above one of the slain victims. And hmm. the killing had taken place in a, quote-unquote, colored, mm-hmm. lower-income neighborhood. I That is not my word here. That is the word. That was that the research that was used. The research, yeah. yes. Lower-income neighborhood, and although police were accustomed, again, 1911, police were accustomed to responding to violent crimes in the area, these gruesome murders were reported in the papers as being some of the most brutal in this part of Louisiana. Mm. However, it wasn't long before investigators noticed that the details of this crime matched those of a murder that had actually taken place a few years earlier. In November of Hmm. 1909, two years earlier, a woman in Rain, Louisiana, only 13 miles from Crowley, was killed with her three children. All the victims in the crime were also, quote-unquote, brained with an axe. That's what it said. Hmm. And at 7 a.m. on February 24th, just a few weeks after the Byers family was killed, Nina Martin from Lafayette, Louisiana, was notified by her hysterical son that her sister and brother-in-law had been murdered. Nina rushed to her sister's house to find an active crime scene. Her sister Mimi Andrus, Mimi's husband Alexander, and their two children, Joaquim and Agnes, were all found slain in their beds. This is fucking gruesome. And once again, the murder weapon, a bloody axe, was found on the floor near the foot of the bed. Oh my god. That is So like... bloody axe was found because the other one was found at like the headboard, but this one's found on the floor, but like obviously similar yeah. murder weapon. That being said, it's nineteen oh nine. I don't know how many different <laughs> weapons 
there were to, that people could just have and get. Yeah. I don't know the accessibility. So like maybe an axe was kind of a common thing as opposed to like now it would be either premeditated or something that you found in like a tool shed. Yeah. It's a very odd kind of murder right. weapon. I would agree. Well, March 22nd, 1911, Lewis Cassaway, his wife and three children were also found with their skulls crushed with an ax. The family were residents of Beaumont, Texas, which was about 125 miles away from Crowley, Louisiana. By the way, I did look up Crowley from its distance to uh, New Orleans because we had been there. Correct. A couple years back for CrimeCon. And it seems to be about 100 or so miles away from New Orleans. So An hour and a half, hour and yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, but it looks kind of like dead set between like Houston and New Orleans for anyone by the way, oh. a- anyone can look up a map. What am I doing? But just FYI. We hope. We hope so. Well, Luis Lacoste, I hope I'm saying these names correctly, a sheriff from Lafayette. Maybe Louis. 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 Louis yeah. Lacoste, a sheriff from Lafayetteville, was responsible for the... In- you know we're going to get people being like, that's called Lafayetteville. Or Louis. I know. <laughs> you know? Like, I never get... We never or get Or it's this Louis, right. but I, I don't know. Louis... Maybe it's because that's how my dad... I don't know. My dad's only name is Louis. I don't know. Well, I'm thinking... I'm thinking, like, um, French. Like, Louis Lacoste. Yeah. Louis Lacoste could be right. <laughs> but Louis it could be Lacoste anyway. Could be anyway. From Lafayetteville. Yeah. From, Lafayette- from Lafayetteville. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Either anyway, or. Guys. Yes, anyway, sorry. Anyway, guys, what he, this person was responsible for the investigation of the Andrus family murders and believed the crimes had been committed by a black man named Raymond Barnabet who lived in the area. The sheriff arrested Raymond on suspicion of committing the Byers and Andrus murders and possibly having some sort of connection to the Cassaway murders in Texas. Now, this is interesting because it doesn't seem like there's any evidence, at least at this point, right? Like, he just has has him arrested on suspicion of committing the crimes but exactly as of right At least now of right now yeah, yeah there's no there's no nothing concrete well and although the sheriff felt certain that Raymond had ties to the crimes listen feeling certain and evidence are two different things but okay investigators lack that evidence to hold him as a suspect and Raymond was ultimately released I have a I I don't like the way this is unfolding. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to say neither do I. Yeah, exactly. Well, however, Sheriff Lacoste continued to suspect Raymond and rearrested him. Raymond was indicted for both murders and held in jail until mid-October when his case was presented to a grand jury. Well, on October 19th, the trial was underway and Raymond's family was asked to testify on on his behalf to offer an alibi. Raymond's wife, Nina Porter, stated that her husband had left home to take a train out of town on the night of the murders. He had left for the evening around 7 p.m., dressed in a blue shirt, headed to the nearby town of Broussard, Louisiana. Nina claimed that Raymond had arrived home around 2 a.m. the same evening, still dressed in the same blue shirt, frustrated that Nina hadn't saved him any dinner, and that he had lost his favorite pipe on the train. Okay, so lots of drama at That's, home here. It's too many details not to be true. That's just too accurate of right. what. Like, if I'm coming home at 2 a.m. And, and Nadine didn't save me any dinner. Yeah, exactly. And I lost my favorite pipe. I mean, I'd be pissed. I mean, that's a lot of things for you, for sure. I that's it's a lot at once, John. But two of Raymond's sons, Zephyrin, which is a cool name, it is a cool and name. daughter Clementine, also a cool name, were also called to the stand to testify. Seventeen-year-old Clementine, however, was called as a prosecution witness and offered testimony that her father had returned home much later than Nina had stated, around mm. dawn on the day after the murders, not the middle of the night. 
Clementine well, continues. Interesting, by the way. Very big it, discrepancy. It's big. I mean, we'll see. I mean, yeah. Nina's saying 2 a.m. Is it possible the sun was, you know, who knows? Like, yeah. I mean, well, Clementine continued to state that her father had a ride home smoking his favorite pipe mm. and that his blue shirt was covered in blood and brain matter, oh, which she remembered because she had been made to wash them and hang them out to dry. That's a Ugh. pretty big thing. Well, Clementine claimed that Raymond had demanded to be served dinner, then told his wife and children that he had just murdered her whole family, threatening to do the same to them if they ever told anyone. Okay. It almost seems too perfect, though. Like, I don't totally. know. Totally. Well, Zephyrin testified that when Raymond returned, like, why why would Nina mention him not having his pipe? I don't That's know. what I was just thinking. That's, like, such a weird detail that you couldn't really, like, what's the point of lying about that either way? Right. Exactly. Zephyrin testified that when Raymond returned home, he had been wearing only an undershirt and pants that were covered in brain matter and blood. His hands and face were also blood-soaked. Okay, so now we have, like, two people saying he's coming home in brain matter, but one of those people saying he has a blue shirt. The other person is not saying that. Yeah. And Zephyrin claimed his father had screamed at him to find his pipe before announcing to the family that he had killed the whole damn Andrus family. Okay, again, three different stories about the pipe now. Well, this is interesting, too, because these are his kids, right, that are testifying mm-hmm. against him, essentially. So it makes you wonder what that family dynamic is to have them, you know, be so willing to do that. Yeah, I mean, I... I wonder what if there's some type of corruption here. Maybe not. But yeah. Zephyrin begged the court to keep his father locked up mm. as he had a terribly violent temperament and had a history of threatening his family with murder. The prosecution also called the Stevens family to the stand who lived next door to the Barnabets to testify against Raymond. And in court, the Stevens were openly classified as, quote, representatives of the best of their race who were mm. clean, modest, direct, and uncontradictory, end quote, as opposed to the Barnabets who were described as, quote, filthy, shifty, degenerate examples of the lowest African type, end mm. quote. So there's race now, very heavily involved in these types clearly, of conversations. Interesting. Clearly. And this description was attributed in particular to Clementine and Zephyrin, who Sheriff Lacoste accused of knowing more than they told the court. Mm. Now, unsurprisingly, Raymond was convicted of the Andrus family murders, largely based upon the testimony of his family, of <laughs> right. course. But, th- but the defense team immediately filed a motion for a new trial on three grounds. The first was that the jury failed to follow the judge's instructions during deliberation. The second was that the prosecution failed to introduce a motive for the murders. I was just wondering and that myself. What is the me motive too. here? Yeah. He just comes home in a violent rage like, right. and demands dinner. And three, <laughs> the defendant was drunk during the trial, which inhibited his ability to testify on his own behalf. There's not, listen, uh, you know, murder aside, one of the things I really hate to hear when I hear about domestic, not necessarily abuse, but just, well, maybe emotional abuse is this idea that like women must have dinner ready for their men when they get home from a long day of work. It's like, oh, God, you just hate it. I just for some reason that that particularly annoys me. Um, but again, well, this is all trope. just test. Yeah. If you ever, if you ever go look, sorry to interrupt, but you ever no, go look right. in the, um, like, you know, my parents grew up in the fifties. So sometimes, yeah. you know, they, yeah. they, they'll send me, show me ads from like old things in the fifties, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like women make your husband's happy by having a, right. you know, a home cooked meal on the table. So it's like, we're it's getting out of, of that now. Yeah, yeah. It's a sign of the times I think for sure. But I mean, uh, unfortunately that still exists today, but just less. So. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. true. 
Yeah. Well, on October 27th, the court granted Raymond a new trial on the grounds that the prosecution was unable to maintain any consistency with its own evidence. Raymond was kept in prison as he awaited a new trial. So on the morning of November 27th, Norbert and Azima Randall, by the way, these names are very like Harry Potter. I love it. Along with their four children were found slain in their Lafayette home. Yeah, these are weird names. I mean, yeah. good names, though. Kind of cool. Yeah. Well, Sheriff Lacoste arrived on scene to discover that all six bodies were mutilated with their heads Ugh. cracked open and an axe leaning by the fr- foot of the bed. So here we've got this axe again. Like, what could be happening here with it? Um, and I'm not liking where this is going, by the way. Um, it was later found that Norbert had been shot in the head prior to the axe mutilations. Um, so very, very disturbing. Based on the evidence found at each crime scene, detectives believe that more than one killer had committed the murders in collusion. Oh, God. Now we're bringing in multiple people. This is getting out of hand now. Yeah. Well, yeah. the day after the Randalls were murdered, authorities arrested Raymond's daughter, Clementine. A search for uh, a search of her room turned up, quote, a complete suit of women's clothes saturated with blood and covered with human brains. And it's quotes. just weird that people keep describing this as covered with human brains. I like, know. Could you imagine that on a news headline? I it's, could just I don't. It's so different. I know. Like these days, I think there would be a lot more sensitivity to that. But, you know, back in the early 1900s, I feel like the crazier, the better with some of these headlines. So I feel yeah, like true. You know what I mean? Like they were probably like. Human brains found in closet or whatever. Totally. Well, authorities refused to believe that such a small woman could have committed this brutal murder alone, so they also arrested Zephyrin, as well as two other men, Edwin Charles and Gregory Porter. After the arrest, who knows where, we'll get to, I guess, where they come in, but after the arrest, police began to try and find a link between all of these suspects and the victims. But isn't that interesting? Because don't you think you should have the link before you go and arrest? I don't know. Call me crazy. Uh, I would think, but I would think there must be a link. But again, this seems a little shifty. Sussy. (laughs) Sussy, yeah. Investigators interrogated Clementine about the bloody clothing found in her closet, during which time Clementine laughed and told police she had nothing to do with the crime. And although they found this response odd, detectives continued to hold Clementine as they continued to search for evidence. So a little bit of a weird reaction there. I don't know that there's anything to laugh about in this situation, but okay. Right. Or if there was, she'd be like, no, that's my Halloween costume or no, that's cranberry juice. Like you'd think she would offer something, but Zephyrin did have a solid alibi for the night of the murders, but was still kept in jail with Edwin and Gregory while it was verified. And detectives brought the clothing found in Clementine's closet to New Orleans for chemical analysis. During this time, Clementine maintained her innocence while offering police no explanation as to why the blood and clothing was in her closet. So again, it's it's just a weird reaction. Police suspected that Clementine had broken into the Randall house with an axe she found on her way. She first killed Norbert, Fall Buddy's wife, then slaughtered the children one by one. Mm. Joseph seems very specific, although I do sort of understand that you'd probably kill the husband first because presumably he would be like the protector of the family, I guess. Yeah. I don't, you know? No, that a medi- makes sense. A medical examiner confirmed that Norbert's head was smashed in post-mortem, and detectives were unable to find the gun that had actually slain him. However, police were still perplexed as to how Clementine would have been able to commit all the killings alone, and they continued hunting both her accomplices and her motive for the murders. It does seem a little odd for one person, let alone one girl, to overtake a family of four, even if two of them were children. And, you know... 
yeah sorry to interrupt um but yeah also i i immediately started thinking well what about the dna evidence and then i had to remind myself it's 1909 or something so 1911 right. so there's no dna uh evidence here well sheriff lacoste continued to dig into the lives of the victims which eventually led to a big break in the case it turned out that some of the victims were verified members of the church of sacrifice mm. led by reverend king harris he learned that at times some church members were quote so intensely moved and impressed by the reverend's teachings of the testament of sacrificial ideas and ceremonies that they were incited to commit heinous crimes and oh dear as lacoste continued to delve into this religious group another murder took place on January 18, 1912, the bodies of Marie Warner and her three children were discovered in Crowley, Louisiana. It's a lot of children in this one fucking small town. Yeah. All the, all the bodies were found in the same gruesome condition as all the others with an axe left at the foot of the bed. Well, let and me also, can, can I yeah. just jump in here? Because it's interesting that the axe is continually left around. That kind of lines up in my head with some kind of cult personality about it being a sacrifice because if you're a mass murderer or serial killer or whatever, and like you're out getting revenge and you don't want to get caught and it's not about, you know, some higher religious thing, then you're probably going to hide the evidence, right? Like you're going to take the ax with you. You're going to throw the gun over the hill, whatever. But th in all of these cases, the ax stays there and it almost right. makes it feel to me like once they got the job done. That. Yeah. Like once they got the job done for whatever religious or cult, cult beliefs they may have they walked then away they walked away down. yeah exactly right. it does seem a little bizarre yeah. um again no dna maybe they're not worried about dna being well that's found, true just, too yeah just right. seemed like a calling card almost um right well at the crime scene authorities found two sets of tracks in the mud by the back door bloodhounds were sent to try and track down the killers but soon lost the scent and the hunt was called off on January 21st, the bodies of Mr. and Mrs. Broussard, as well as their three young children, were found with their skulls crashed, crushed by an axe. Mm. The axe was left underneath the marital bed, and police also discovered a bucket placed under the heads of the murdered children to collect the Ew. blood as it drained from their bodies, Ugh. which does seem a little religious-y to me. I don't know why, but, like, <laughs> why do that otherwise? This is pretty yeah. horrible. Yeah. I yeah. don't even want to, I almost can't even bring myself to speculate about that because it's so such a disturbing image. But hey, it is October, so we're bringing you stuff that you're going to, you know, you're going to want to think about here on Shaken okay. and Disturbed. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Well, this crime scene was obviously different, however. A Bible inscription was found written in blood on the front door proclaiming, quote, when he maketh the inquisition for blood, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble, end quote. What the fuck does that mean? What I, does it mean? mean? And like, I'm in a mindset of like, is that an incantation? Like, I don't want to be saying that out loud even on a podcast because what kind of spirits and energy is that bringing into my world? You it know does me. seem a little Charlie Manson-esque, though, when they were writing, you know, Pig and Helter yes. Skelter and That's stuff right. like that. Maybe so, he was yeah. inspired by these old murders. Who well, knows? along with this passage were found the words Human 5, whatever that means. Sheriff Lacoste finally decided to speak with Reverend Harris. During interrogation, the Reverend stated that the Church of Sacrifice was an unofficial sect of the Christ-sanctified Holy Church, whose branch was located in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Hmm. The Reverend claimed that the teachings did not advocate killing, but sought to persuade people to follow in the footsteps of Christ, adding that nothing in the teachings excused the crimes that had occurred. So he's basically saying, listen, like, we don't advocate killing, just, you know, here, here's a, 
here's um, a path to follow, essentially. I don't know that he's necessarily that saying murder, but... Right, and, like, who, and who knows? We don't know enough, but, like, that also seems sussy. For sure, yeah. I mean, it is weird if you think about it. Well, although authorities were very actively hunting those responsible for the killings, the entire black community of these neighboring towns were, of course, terrified for their lives. Many people took to sleeping with weapons beneath their pillows, some even sleeping in shifts. I mean, that's wow. horrible. Sleeping in shifts to, to yeah. ward off attackers. This is like squid game. Right. On February 11th, 1912, 150 members of the community met to air out their fears and resolved as a unit to come forth with any information whatsoever that might lead to the killer's capture and help keep everyone safe. I mean, I'm surprised it's only 150. You'd think everybody would want to join together to keep the safety going. Yeah, you'd think, but maybe this is just kind of like a task force or the people that could. True. You know, who knows? Well, the community as a whole also enacted increased safety measures, including patrols, citizen involvement, and assistance with locating witnesses to help law enforcement. So it's basically like the first rendition of armchair detectives. Let's put it that way. You know <laughs> yes, what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> all like of us have, Yeah, all of us have been on TikTok with this Gabby Petito stuff the last several weeks, and it's kind of like that in a sense. Totally. Well, on February twentieth, only nine days after the community meeting, Hattie Dove, along with her four children were found killed with their heads bludgeoned and an axe left near the bed. Man, this is a rampage I here. I know. Yeah, well, for sure. Neither Raymond nor Clementine had ever been released from prison, and authorities were sure that either one or both of them were providing guidance to the individuals who had continued the ritual murder spree, which hmm. seems just unlikely but yeah. shortly after the it just you know it's not like he could make a phone call uh, right, right. out and be like hey make sure you do this it seems odd but yeah. shortly after the dove family was slain sheriff lacoste received a note in the mail stating there is a leader who goes from town to town selecting victims this letter established to hmm. law enforcement that there was indeed a cult behind the killings uh -huh. and solidified their theory that the father and daughter they held behind bars were likely involved Hmm. When first interrogated about the murders, Clementine first claimed to be totally innocent, but eventually stopped protesting and simply remained silent when questioned. Now, doesn't necessarily mean anything outside of potentially, you know, she got tired of answering the same fucking questions with the same fucking answer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. And she may not want to incriminate herself, potentially. I mean, I'm trying to think now even back to like Miranda rights. I'm like, those I don't even think were a thing back then. So... Right. And who right. knows if she had representation. I, I don't know. It's weird. It's early 1900s. It's hard to tell exactly what was law. Well, two weeks after the Dove family was killed, however, Clementine surprised investigators by giving them a confession about her involvement and shared with the authorities how she had come to be involved in these heinous crimes. Mm. She, she stated that she moved to Lafayette in 1909, at which time she had settled into a life of degradation. On a visit to New Iberia, a neighborhood southeast of Lafayette, she and four friends met an old black woman who taught them how to practice uh, voodoo. Mm -hmm. And Clementine had also purchased a conjure bag from a conjurer who had assured her the bag would protect her from being detected by the police if she ever wanted to commit a crime. Well, can I just say one quick thing? Like now I'm now really... this is no guessing your friend's cards numbers, John. This is serious. <laughs> I know, right? Yes, Darren's referring to uh, NMR on our Patreon where I talked about a very crazy psychic moment that I had. If you haven't heard about it, you should check it out. Um, but it does make me think, like I just had mentioned, like saying those words out loud as an incantation. Like, 
I don't know. Now we're getting into voodoo, so maybe there is something to that. I might need to sage my room after today's episode. Well, we're going to – you. we might want to sage more than just your room. But <laughs> can we sage is... through a podcast? Like, can we maybe, sage – yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Well, Clementine decided she wanted to test out the power of this conjure oh, bag, which she did by dressing as a man, stealing what? an axe, and going out into the night to commit murder. Okay, oh, here's dear. a quote. I saw the mother sleeping on the bed, then I decided I would enter the house, and there would begin the work which we had planned. On entering the house, I struck the woman on the right temple and killed her instantly. One of the children was awakened by the noise, and before he could raise his head from the pillow, I struck a blow someone somewhere near the left ear, then I struck the other two. Oh, I left the man's clothes, which I wore on the house, and I left in women's clothes, returned to my sister's house, and later during the same night, I boarded a train for Lafayette, arriving here about midnight. And Clementine told police seemingly every detail about her crimes that she could remember, including the fact that she had used a gun only once to kill Norbert Randall. Well, and it also, you know, I go into the thought process of, well, is this all true? Like, can they, can the police corroborate statements that she wouldn't know with what she's saying? Because, you know, she's laughing at stuff that isn't funny. So you never know what kind of mental state these people can potentially be in. Well... Clementine remained adamant to authorities that she alone had committed all the murders and that the test and that testifying at trial against her father was just a continuation of her work. Authorities reasoned that in spite of her protests, Clementine very likely had help in the killings, later re-arresting Raymond and Zephyr on murder charges. After Clementine's confession, the Lafayette DA crafted a theory that the Texas crimes were completely separate from the Louisiana crimes and had been committed by a copycat. And you do have to wonder, like, although these towns are close how quickly that news could spread to other towns in the early 19 Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And like the early 1900s and then inspire copycats, you know, to me, I just think about that kind of stuff. Absolutely. On April 4th, 1912, the DA filed charges against Clementine for the Randall murders. Clementine continued to confess from jail to anyone who would listen, including newspaper reporters, police and cellmates. Newspapers attributed over 35 killings to this teenage girl. Sheriff Lacoste traveled to New, to New Iberia and arrested the conjurer, Joseph Thibodeau. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Thibodeau. 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 Thank you. It could be Thibodeau. Thibodeau, like, potentially. Yeah. Yep. All right. We've got a lot of different uh, pronunciations. Who had sold Clementine and her friends the conja bags. So when the conjurer was taken to Clementine's cell, uh, she identified him as the conja bag salesman. Which, okay, what, but, like, what does that really have to do right. with the murder? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, that's not real. It's so weird, yeah. On our, Or is it? On April 12, uh-huh. 1912, the bodies of William Barton, his wife and brother-in-law, and his two children were found in San Antonio, Texas. Each body was mangled in the exact same pattern, and an axe was left at the scene. Okay, so again, I mean, on April 21st, 1912, Zephyrin confessed that he and his father Raymond had killed the Anders family and that Clementine, along with several other named accomplices, were all accessories to the crime. Two of the co-conspirators were immediately arrested. The attacks continued, however. On August 20th, 1912, the Dashiell family was found slain in San Antonio, Texas. On October 16th, 1912, Clementine was examined by psychiatrist and found competent to stand trial. Court oh. proceedings began against her. Hmm. I'm just curious how all of these murders like kind of keep happening, even though they like feel right. like they've caught the person like clearly she's not the only one to blame here so and also be like more. aside from the cult of it all what is the exact motive here you know like and why these certain families 
Right. Right. Exactly. So, you know, obviously this did little to make the community feel safer. Clementine had been behind bars this whole time, and yet black families continue to be killed by cult followers of hers. Mm. October 24th, the prosecution rested after presenting all of their evidence, the biggest piece being Clementine's many, many confessions, both before and after she was determined to be sane. Yeah. And the following day, Clementine was found guilty and sentenced to life in prison in the hopes that her followers would stop their murderous work. Interesting. Interesting, yeah. Well, on November 22nd, 1912, the bodies of William Walmsley, his wife, and their son were found murdered with an axe. Victims of the now-dubbed Sacrifice Sect. Investigators combed the new crime scene for clues, desperately worried that the crime spree would never stop, even though Clementine was now behind bars. Toward the end of the year, the evidence trail went cold. However, the murders also ceased. I mean, imagine being the police department or even, like, elected officials in these towns. And, like, you just really don't know when the next murder is going to happen. You have no... There's no... You know, and all of these murders seem to be happening... Yeah, in some sort of organized way. But, like, they don't even seem to have any clue about the organization of it all. So, it's very disturbing. That, That kind of freaks me out in a way because... Yeah, serial killers are crazy, but it appeared that enough time had passed that Clementine no longer held any influence over the sect. Although many alleged accomplices were arrested around the same time as Clementine, we don't know what happened to most of them. We do know that Zephyrin was arrested for a separate incident around November of 1912, but beyond that, we have no record of him or his father, Raymond. That in and of itself is fascinating. Right, no record at all? Yeah. Um... In July of 1913, Clementine attempted to escape from prison, but was caught the same day. After her escape attempt, she became a model prisoner and was even assigned a job as a cane cutter in 1918, assuming that's sugar cane or something. But then on August 28th, 1923, after serving only 10 years of her sentence, Clementine escaped by walking out of the front doors of the prison. And guess what? She was never seen again. (laughs) We have no legal records of what happened to Clementine after her escape, nor what happened to any of her family or cohorts. Again, it's just like a weird timing. Early 1900s. It's like, what? What the fuck? Yeah. Well, in around 2002, a story popped up online written by an individual with the screen name Voodoo Gal 11. Darren, was mm. this you potentially? I don't know. It definitely was. Soccer Who, star and Voodoo Gal. Soccer are, star. Only a few letters off. And actually, it's Soaker star, right? We always, it is we Soaker. Use, yeah. 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 Um, this person told a very odd story about a visit with her great-grandmother in 1985. Now, Voodoo Gal stated that while celebrating her great-grandma's 103rd birthday in August 1985... Great-grandma told a story about a mad killer who went on a rampage in 1911 in southeast Louisiana. Great-grandma described the murders as, quote, a black woman so beautiful with alabaster skin and eyes so piercing she would look at you and turn you to stone, end quote, who would, quote, turn a whip on her suitors to demonstrate her brutality and loathing for human life, end quote. When Voodoo Gal later asked her great-grandma if any part of the story was true, great-grandma claimed that she had just made up the story to entertain her grandkids. Quote, she just sipped her iced tea and continued rocking in her chair, end quote. 
Later mm. that year, Great Grandma had died, and Voodoo Gal realized after her death that she had never really known what her Great Grandma had looked like as a young woman. And when Voodoo Gal visited her family home for the funeral, she asked to see old photos of Great Grandma. Her grandmother produced a photo of a young woman with alabaster skin looking black, curly hair, and light eyes. Voodoo Gal ended the post with her belief that her great grandmother was, in fact, Clementine Barnabet. So, and that's really how the story ends because there was no trial, wow. you know, aside, or, you know, after she walked out of prison, we should say. Um, and yeah, she just kind of disappeared into thin air. And, you know, by, at this point in 2021, we could, we could say, even if this person wasn't Clementine, that um, she's likely dead. Um, but yeah, what she's a definitely story. likely dead, but wow, like that is pretty impressive. I mean, I don't I, I don't think that could happen today of just having no record, but listen, people yeah. go missing unfortunately all the time. If you want, you know, you can you have yeah. access to a lot more things, but Did you say access? Wow. You have access. Oh, you have access you have to access a lot more to things. Lots more things. All right. Oh, well shoot. Let us know what you guys thought about this very disturbing and bloody episode of Shaken and Disturbed at J Thrasher at Carpe Darren. Follow us on Instagram, guys, by the way, or Twitter. Please. Um yeah, or hit us up in our Facebook group, which is the Shaken and Disturbed podcast fans group. That's where a lot of folks talk about our episodes. Amen to that. Darren, um, this was a spooky little episode. We're trying to keep them spookier than usual, I would say, in October. But um, let's get to some listener shout-outs. But we have a, a ghost story, essentially. Yeah, this is this was brought to us from our Facebook group by Caitlin Gonzalez. Love and she Caitlin. wants to She's share it. Longtime uh, fan, by the way. Love her. So she shares this ghost story for those who haven't seen it. I She says, I have many I could share, like an old townhouse where something grabbed me from under the bed. And when I screamed for my mom, uh, I was cool. There was three scratch my scratch marks on my leg, but I have a different one to what? share. I know. I, 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 I need you to share that one, Caitlin. But backstory, my ex's parents' house is an old farmhouse with a big pond with no neighbors on the street where houses are a couple acres apart. Already I'm terrified. Me too. Scared. Well, well this house is kind of known because a murder-suicide happened here. Mm. Man killed his wife, threw her in the pond, and then shot himself. They have always had weird things happen in this in his old bedroom. Like one night the lights went crazy and scary booms happened. We thought we were being attacked by bears, LOL. Oh his room was apparently the couple's old room, and they have further added on since. <sighs> Oh well, one day he walked in and the house while we were washing his truck. I stood outside where a man called out, hey, what are you doing? I look up in the no. reflection of the window and see clear as day. No. A man full, full white beard, overalls with one side unbuttoned and a piece of straw in his mouth standing behind me. I say, oh, you scared me as I turn around and stare at this man who just seems to stare at me and then disappear. I'm standing there staring mm-hmm. in disbelief and scream for my boyfriend. He comes running and I tell him. He just laughs and shrugs it off. Now, for the for a kicker, a few years ago, <laughs> oh a few years go by, I'm in Florida and I'm telling his cousins about ghost experience if I ha- I've had and the story comes up. My boyfriend's mom walks in the room, asks what we're talking about, and I just say, oh, how haunted your house is. She goes white, white and says, <laughs> nope, no more. I was confused till she said, quote, a few no. years ago, a lady driving past my house stopped no. and told me there's a man who haunts my house who proceeded to give the exact description of the man who I saw. I was oh, like, no. yep, that's him. I also have experiences with the tall, dark shadow man, which is your new nickname, and even <laughs> pictures, recordings, and hella experiences with my sister who has the same abilities from the Eastern State Penitentiary. 
Oh my god. First of all, I wasn't, I deliberately didn't read this. Darren was excited to share it on today's show, but I wanted to hear it initially on the show. There's one thing I really can't handle. Like of all this? Well, of all the haunted crazy things I've experienced in my life, the one thing that still freaks me out is if there's a face in a window or a face like in a mirror like that shit freaks me out yeah no I, like no thank you like, no, no fucking thank you, thank you. caitlin i think i'm good caitlin i'm debating whether we should still call you one of our be- biggest fans because that one just really shook me to my core and i'm upset but yeah caitlin but i'm happy you shared it but i'm upset <laughs> yes at the same time exactly happy but also upset that's right just well FYI. shout out to caitlin i guess for today's episode um yes we also have to of course end our episode yeah. thanking our lovely leader megan of course <laughs> she um, is our leader you, in a way she really is our leader yeah. are you ready to do it let's do it if you guys are listening say it out loud one one two, two three three thanks megan thanks megan oh you did it quick i want well, to be like thanks megan you know we're doing these remotely so there's a little bit of a delay but we'll i think hopefully everyone listening will be able to shout you out literally it. shout out megan yeah yeah there's going to be some more spooky stories next week uh, on another episode of shaken and disturbed and if you haven't already sign into our patreon please and so you join can us wednesday us. Yes. exactly for a fun Halloween bash. See you then. Bye, everybody. Bye.